Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hi there. This is Blog Talk Radio, and this is the K Factor, where K equals kindness, and the factors are all the things that lead to it. And this is The Daily Show, which is an episode that takes place every day in the afternoon for one hour, give or take. <laughs> it's relatively loose the way that it is run. <laughs> Speaking of loose. <laughs> oh, brother. <laughs> this is so much fun. I just said to our audience that this is the gay factor. <laughs> we do the daily show, and it happens every day in the afternoon for about one hour, give or take, <laughs> because this is loosely run. Ding dong. <laughs> Here comes Ron Williams. <laughs> You're completely in the dark. Um, I don't mean to be. I wonder why. Um. Because I have lights on above me, but let me move. Yeah, there you go. There you go. That's awesome. Oh, you're in another artistic environment, my friend. Look at those. I'm at my cabin right now up in Sundance, Utah, way way up in the mountains. And isn't it nice that you've got all the um, authority that you need for the Internet and for cellular activity? Yeah, it's actually, it's starting to cause a, first I was like, man, what are we going to do? But, you know, we're starting to become a little bit of a hybrid of lifestyle and business, you know? Yeah, right. I do know. So, you told me that today we were going to do the Village of Eyes and get ready to have my mind blown. Well, let's let's just sort of talk about it and set it up, I guess, more than anything. How are you doing, by the way, Dr. Deb? How are you? You know, I've had kind of a squirrely day. <laughs> What's a squirrely day? <laughs> a squirrely day is when you wake up and you have every reason to be happy because you're waking up, for one thing. And, you're, and your eyes are open and you can look outside and you can see. And uh, the weather is beautiful, and, and I opened up the windows, and so I opened up and, and heard the sounds of the water, and it was lovely, right? And then I just, I just felt this angst running through me. And my, it's like my vibration and my frequency was off, and I thought, there must be something funky happening in the world. And, you know, yeah, see? And then, so what do you do? You got to get up and you got to get moving. And you, Or this morning I thought, no, I don't. I'm going to lay here and I'm going to collect all, my, all of my energy. And I'm going to take the energy of the world and keep it just away and try to deflect it. And with the palms of my hands, maybe I can make some grooviness come out of me. 
<laughs> reverberate, you know, make goodness happen. But yeah, just, and then I've had a day of people not wanting to cooperate with me. Make deals, unmake deals, change their mind, make their schedule, uh, you know, difficult. So you know what I did? I just, I thought, okay, I feel kind of icky in the middle of it. Maybe it's me. And then I thought, maybe it's them and maybe it's a combination of all of us and maybe it's a combination of us and the icky energy that we're trying to see our way clear through. And then I remembered what is the one ingredient that changes everything? Love. Well, I think it's important that you show what you just shared here in life because I think everybody, sometimes they get, we get puffed up with pride that we're, you know, we're a little bit nervous to share that we're having a challenging day or the answers are not showing up or the answers that we thought were answers were not actually answers. And I think it happens to the best. I mean, you know, I would think of, I mean, think of right now the most powerful person in the world, which is arguably our president, right? And, and all the, the crap storm every single day, every single hour, I imagine. I think so, too. That, that man going through right now, uh, some probably unjust and some maybe he's created. I don't know, but I'm just saying that, you know, it happens to the best. You know, we think that people get to their aspiring positions the easy way, and I just don't think there's such thing. So I appreciate you sharing that. Thank you, and you're welcome. How are you today? I'm kind of chill today. Um, I drove up to the cabin last night, yeah. and I got in kind of late, and I have a uh, beautiful daughter who's here, as you know, and so we went to a late breakfast and uh, sort of chilled together, yeah. and then we had a nice talk and drove back, and I got back and kind of got ready for this. Uh, <laughs> Lovely, handsome man. 
I was getting ready to go do an event, and I had, you know, I don't know, like 250 people that were my clients in a, in a school district that were going to be in the audience. So I, I had this uh, really cute pair of flats on and lacy tights and a, and, a, and, a, and a pleated skirt that was really pretty that was this nice, really good Oxford cotton. And it was, you know, like T-length, which is mid-calf. And I had on a T-shirt and a sweater. And I had my my hair kind of up in a loose bun, and I was getting ready to to leave. And he looks at me, and I stood in the entryway of the house, and I went, "Ta-da! What do you think?" And he looks at me, and he goes, "So um, that's what you're wearing." And I and <laughs> we had a good we had a good relationship. And I said to him, um, "So I'll tell you what, I am gonna I am gonna say to you." I'm I'm headed out like in about, you know, 16 minutes and I got my mind in the right place and I'm asking for your opinion and it really matters to me. So how about if we do a redo and I'll ask you again? <laughs> so he looked at me and he kind of went, uh-huh, okay. And I said, ta-da, what do you think? And he goes, oh, honey, you're darling. Just unbelievable go knock him dead I put my arms around and I gave him a big kiss and I said thanks see ya (laughs) and it was you know what it is awesome because what people don't realize is no matter what you do to prepare yourself to get ready you really do show up in a way that you feel comfortable like you show up today and you feel comfortable if you showed up today and you thought oh you know I know Dub's gonna want me to wear a tie you know, and like something weird, you know, then it would be it, the whole dynamic shifts because really what we pick to put on our body is, is a reflection of our energy and where we really need to be. Well, let's look at context. So I'm up in the mountains, yeah. you know, 8,000, 8, feet up. I'm at my cabin. There's a river going to the backyard. The trees are changing colors. The leaves are coming down hardly think I'm going to be putting on a suit and tie right now, you know, <laughs> so context, um, but at the same time, you know, if you ask me what my professional groundhog day is, it's like, hey, Ron, is that what you're wearing? <laughs> and I, I'll never forget this one beautiful lady, she reminds me a lot of you, actually, she walked up to me afterwards, because I had said something at the end of my talk, I said, man, people sure concern themselves with what I wear so much, and it makes me self-conscious, where I don't want to be self-conscious, PBS barefooted. He come across the stage. He stopped wearing shoes. He had a house in Hawaii. So no matter where that PBS special was, no shoes, 
in a black outfit, and it was like black. It, it it was nicer than scrubs, and a black V-neck shirt that was in the shape of a T-shirt with short sleeves and and uh, you know hanging down around his hips, and he would just come out and talk with his shaved head and do his talk, and he was very mellow, and that was always how he was, and. I saw him wearing outfits at other times, and I thought, well, he's a really handsome man. You know, I I would love to see him like that, but I thought, you know what? I like seeing him the way that he is comfortable on the stage, and when he's on the beach, he's got a different mojo and a different comfort zone. But this is him. This is his persona. This is him out here. So there you go. Of course, I somehow source that we talk about clothes today on this show. Sorry about that. It's a little bit of a census spot with me because I, I want to make sure that I present myself respectful to others, but yet at the same time, I don't want to sell out on who I am or what feels, you know, energetic to me. Have you ever had one single nanosecond of thinking that I had any discomfort or disapproval? No, I really don't. And by the way, I love that T-shirt. It's got it's got a nice rim around the top, and it's almost like mine because it's almost a V-neck, but not quite. Yeah. And it's a nice heavy cotton. Yeah. Yeah, you're slick. You're as slick as I am, except you're white and I'm black. There you go. <laughs> it's all so good. Did you think about that little story of Truman yesterday, this football game? Yes. Yes. Yep, that's him. (laughs) Adorable. The innocence of that. Could we all have that? Could we all have that? Yeah, it's cute. Super cute. Well, anyway, so let's talk about, you know, what's going on. I think to, to set up the Village Eyes conversation. It's really, uh, Deb, really just kind of looking at the half-empty, because I'm going to talk about half-full in a minute. But half-empty right now, what we're seeing is entitlement, racial divide, political corruption, um, pharmaceutical corruption. Um, We're seeing, really just, I mentioned this, but a lot of entitlement right now. Everybody feels like they're owed something. And They've become ungrateful. They've forgotten to see the great that's all around us. And so the half-empty right now is a lot of that, you know, and I don't know what else you're seeing, but you call it the, the COVID, you know. I recently heard the COVID is the crime of the century, you know, um, that it's real, but completely abused and exaggerated. Mm-hmm. And um, so there's just a lot going around us right now. And then there's some vaccines supposed to follow, but there's a lot of con controversy around and I, again I'm not feeding the controversy uh, I'm questioning it maybe I'd like to go in eyes wide open uh, when it comes to a vaccine but there's just a lot going on around us on the half empty side you know defund the police get rid of law enforcement burn things up just a total lack of respect and gratitude cancel it all <clears throat> right so what Cancel it all. The cancel yeah. culture, you know, get rid of it. Just cancel it. And I guess I'm willing to hear 
from the cancel cancel cancer culture. <laughs> the cancel culture. Yeah. No, the vision is that makes me excited for my children. Have you heard? It? I mean, I'm, I'm honestly asking. <clears throat> I haven't heard it. Because whenever, whenever I get around somebody who says, you know, I really want this president to win or this this policy to pass, whatever, you know, I'll ask for a vision. I still haven't gotten a good vision. I still haven't heard a moving, inspiring vision. Neither have I. Yeah. So... So basically, one time I was on a flight, and I went through a phase where I traveled the world, I would say in about a two-year phase, where I just saw everywhere. I went everywhere. And I was the founder and CEO of a company that, um, that just really had this beautiful message of unity and humanity and, and inspiration, you know, and and it was just a beautiful, and I, and I wanted to share it with the world. And so be careful what you wish for, because we ended up opening every single country, pretty much. There's like two or three we were the obvious one, North Korea, Cuba, you know, Venezuela. We weren't open, but I was traveling everywhere. And I just remember thinking, man, we're all just, we're all the same. You know, we all want the same things. You know, we want love. We want passion. We want to accomplish, we want to feel connected, you know, just go on and on and on and on, you know, and that's what I learned, it didn't matter what country, whether I was in Taiwan or whether I was in Brazil or whether I was in Luxembourg, you know, that everybody just wanted the same stuff, so I felt really blessed and privileged, and there were many long flights that I would get on where it was just filled with gratitude, like, wow, I get to consummate convictions that I have. You know, by traveling and witnessing real in front of people, you know, what, what the real driving force is. And, and oftentimes it's a spiritual driving force, whether it be God or religion or just a form of spirituality. And so here I was on this flight, and I'm reading this, I think it was in South America, and I'm reading this article titled The Village Eyes. And they, they were calling it folk wisdom. And I'm telling you, I have told this story in very intimate settings. I don't usually tell it in settings like this, but since we're not intimate now, this is intimate now, I'm going to share it today. Thank you. I usually say that for you, I usually share it at the very end of the U of U after we're done cooking everybody and they're baked and it's good to go. And then I say, okay, in closing, I want to share with you a story. <laughs> and the music comes on and it's just beautiful. And the story is this: thousands of years ago, every little village would have a spiritual leader or two. And the spiritual leader would oversee the little village, right? And they would always try to find and breed, if you will, or, or cultivate the next eyes of the village or the next village eyes. Mm-hmm. And the village eyes would have to have spiritual depth and, and innocence and purity and all these beautiful things. And I was reading the story, and I'm kind of, I'm, I'm sort of coloring it up for you because that's how I am, but I'm oh, telling you the it. story. It's yeah, beautiful. I love it. So... They told the story that what the spiritual leader would do is it would find a couple, and let's say the, the wife was impregnated, and the village eyes, with the spiritual leader, excuse me, would select a particular couple and say, this child has been selected. And it happened once every 
Kentucky to be the next villagers. And it was believed to be the greatest privilege for this young couple. And the village would just talk about it and anticipate it and all these great things. And the story was that when the baby was born, though, they would take this baby, baby into a cave, never to really see the light of day for years. And all this child would do is be fed right, uh, not just food, but information, spirituality, imagination, nothing but imagination. Okay. And talk about what sky looks like and what wind feels like and what sun feels like and on and on and on and on. And the spiritual leaders would do nothing but mentor this child from, from infancy to 12. And on the 12th birthday, a couple of weeks before the birthday celebration, they would, they would manicure the garden. There would be a specific garden they would use for this particular event. They'd manicure it. The village would fast to get ready to, to meet and greet the eyes of the village. And so what they would do is they would line up and they would blindfold this child. And they would escort this child to the beat of the drum. You know, with all the royalty and the family walking around this child. And the child was blindfolded and they get to the center of the garden and the people would congregate around this child and they would have a spiritual message and ceremony. Eventually, they would take the blindfold off this beautiful child and this child would open its eyes and see what we see every day. And it said, inevitably, the child would fall to its knees and cry until there was just nothing left regarding tears because of how colorful Belief is how beautiful the interaction of seeing another human being that you've never seen and feel that, that depth and that warmth and that connection and that spiritual thing. There was nothing physical about this. So the child would cry, but not only did the child cry until there were no more tears, the village would break down. Because they had been fasting. Who they become? This entitled, carnal, jealous uh, people, greedy people. And they would acknowledge in that moment who they had become or who they hadn't become. And it was always a, a rebirthing of a village and that experience. And I think about that right now, that what we need on this planet are more village eyes, people who can just see outside and just recognize the beauty and the miracle of things that we take for granted every single day, that we might want to be more like the village eyes, riddled with gratitude and compassion and love and, and, and acceptance and appreciation and, and wonder, you know, just a sense of wonder. And, every, and I tell that at the end, so the whole message is may we all sort of cultivate more in our own being the eyes of the village. And in doing so, we might create more unity. We might create more, um, you know, more gratitude. You know, around us, and we have less entitlement in the things that we listed earlier. So I love that story, and I share it with people because it's a very, for me, it just resonates so much because I always try to renew my spirit so that I see things fresh. Fresh is a very important word to me. Jaded is very unattractive. Oh, yeah. Fresh is like, how do I experience today like the first time instead of the jaded, thick-headedness you and I have talked about? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I love that story. Thank you for sharing that. It is um, <clears throat> it is a beautiful story that I, I can, the way that you described it, if we were writing it together, 
the visceral experience of it would be really experienced by people, you know, because there's so much to see in the deprivation. If you, if you imagine all of that, the, the opening of, of your eyes in the face of others and to put that contrast there of that child who sees it for the first time and is so, you know, it's not staged, it's so pure. And all the people who are there who also, you know, just are are put into a position of um, depth of appreciation that they've never known before. I don't... I, I, yeah, I... Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm wondering, you know, I can I can actually imagine what that feels like. On some on some level, I can really imagine what that feels like, just because of um, circumstances where my my insulation has been so dramatic and traumatic, and I can talk about that maybe a little bit later. But the um, the thing that I'm wondering is what is it that we could do in our culture here in America that would bring people to that point? I mean, I can feel tears behind my eyes right now when I say this. And what is it that we could bring people to in terms of a point that would change everything? Because I can tell you, uh, when I watch everything being destroyed, I've, I've just wept. Yeah, I have to. Um, and what's interesting is that when I think about this, I often hold in the back of my mind the possibility, not the conspiracy, but the possibility that while we're watching all these things, we're being masked and told to stay home and not congregate because there's power in congregation. Yeah. And it's funny, they're allowed to congregate to protest, but we're not allowed to congregate in church. Right. You know, so there's just some weird stuff going on. So for people to shift into that place of gratitude, unfortunately, I hate saying this, but oftentimes it has to be a forced circumstance because not a lot of people are so disciplined to reinvent that gratitude with themselves. It's hard, to, you know, it's not hard, but it requires an extreme desire to want to do that. So unfortunately, I almost think sometimes it has to be, uh, people have to hit a rock bottom before they can come back up. So too many people, I, I hate saying that because that's not the solution, but unfortunately it's the solution by default. I've often wondered if we could take the, all the people who live in the worst places in the United States and it's violent and it's horrible and it's awful and if we just gathered them all up and we brought them out to the most beautiful place in the United States and I can think of a bunch of different places where we could go you know what is that road is it in Idaho or Utah it's called the road to the sun the highway to the sun that's one there's you know just 
where there's so much, or, or the, the Amazon forest, you know, just to land in the middle of the rainforest, you know, there, where there's nature and quiet and the noise is the quiet, the noise is the nature. I don't know. hologram of like a show you know we would have Martin Luther King we would have Gandhi we'd have Buddha we would have Jesus we would have yeah and and what if we had no one knew from where they were going to come it was all a mystery and and we weren't in a stadium we were out in an open area and these things would appear. Would have the technology would have to be amazing. They'd be like, you know, a hundred feet or so high and big, huge, and they would speak to everyone there in their speak and and deliver their message. And and we you know now that we're on the air. Yeah, to leave people know, unless it's just a hologram, but for those three people who aren't listening in the world, they would be surprised. But, I mean, can you imagine if that really happened, Ron? Can you just envision the impact of people? And if we could deliver, you know, such such an impassioned message that that we could just, the, the thing that we're talking about is how to capture people's heart. You know, the conversation this morning or this afternoon started out about, you know, the one thing that I knew that I needed to focus on was love. And and that's what the village of I is, is doing. It's 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 uh it's such a love for the sensuality of life. The, all the senses were deprived. The the visceral, the energetics, you know, we don't we don't even consider one of our senses being the vibration between us because it's, it's all of this. It's, it's, you know, people talk about the sixth sense being the intuition. There's a seventh sense and it, and it's quantum physics. It's that frequency. Mm-hmm. It's that vibration. And to be deprived of that, to not ever really get to the point of the, happiness part of that frequency no healing can take place and and I keep thinking this is just how I think so forgive me because it's sometimes 
in a monumental place and starting ourselves or staying standing there until there's peace, you know, months, weeks, whatever. And and doing it to make the statement that America offers plenty of opportunity to kind of create what you want to create. And that's what I find so funny is a lot of people seem to think if it's not this way, it's not America. Well, America's all the ways. America's got all the buffet things. And that's what makes me kind of laugh is it's like having, you know, a food tree up here and we're all fighting over, you know, it has to be this food or that food when there's plenty of food out there, you know. I, America has plenty of food, it has plenty of opportunities, it has plenty of options. It has it has limitless options for that matter. And that's why we live here. Since when does it have to be your way or my way? Seriously, since when? And that's what I'm assuming. I was like, who's that scarce? And uh, two of of the greatest men that I know, uh, neither one of them came from a position that they would ever want to brag about. They were raised in real real poverty, and and I'll tell you who they are. One is Tony Robbins, and he talks about being a janitor at night and having to take a bus there and there and back in the middle of the night and then try to go to school, wake up to go to school during the day. He talks about being so poor that on Thanksgiving there was a knock on the door and it was a charity that was coming to bring him and his mother and father and uh, sibling or siblings uh, Thanksgiving dinner and his father closed the door and said, you, you know, you we, we don't take charity. And, and, you know, most of the world knows who Tony Robbins is as a, as a, he doesn't want to be called a motivational speaker. He wants to be called a results speaker, a results coach, a results person who gets results for people. And he's all over the world, right? And people would say, yeah, well, he's a white guy. You know, he had all kinds of privilege and he's a big guy. So he had all kinds of privilege. He didn't have any. He didn't have any. And he, and he left home as a kid and, and, and set up his, he got a, an apartment on, on the beach for, you know, 90 bucks a month, uh, 40 years ago. And he had to decide, uh, he had, he had money for a phone and he had money for a, uh, a, a desk and he had to decide desk or bed. So he got a hammock and he strung it up over the desk. And when the phone would ring, he would answer it. Robbins international research company. How may I help you? You know, he was like 19, 18 years old. And what he's done is he's turned into a, a very wealthy man and he's worked very hard, but nobody handed him anything. And people can say, well, it was because he was a white guy. He was a guy who people made fun of on TV because he's got the, the, the head of a giant and giant teeth that is, by his description, are the size of horses' teeth. And he's, he is, he's a giant. The first time I met him, I was in Fiji to see him, and he walked up behind me. I was all by myself. He walked up behind me, and, and he, he put his hand on my back, 
and his thumb was on my right shoulder and his fingers wrapped around my left shoulder. It was one big giant hand. I looked down and I see this foot that was huge. And this voice says, are you all right? And I, I look all the way up there and I'm like, well, I am now. <laughs> Thank you, Tony Robbins. And nothing, he, get, he, he was given nothing. And then the other man that I know is Ron Williams, who had nothing. And you had a single mother who tried to provide everything. And you you didn't exactly grow up in, in a in a in a gorgeous neighborhood. You didn't grow up thinking that you were a, a white kid with a massive privilege. I think that you probably didn't know what you were, but you knew that you were kids. Well, I think I was like every other kid in that kids are born to dream. And at some point those dreams get shut down by some harsh realities. And I think the key is to exist in reality or coexist in reality with your dreams. And I, somehow I made that cut. I don't know how, but somehow that just happened. Maybe I picked the right friend along the way. Maybe I had the right school teacher that I told you about who yeah. just, boom, she just branded my future. And I was like, that's me. And, and as a little kid who's a little bit stubborn, that's all you need sometimes. But Certainly, I would also like to say that you know, I'm a work in progress, um, always learning and always growing and always learning how much, you know, how much I still have to work on and whatnot. But, you know, what I love is the idea that each of us can dream. And I, when I talk about dreams, I don't talk about the Easter Bunny or the Tooth Fairy. I talk about things that really matter in one's life right now. And so... That's why I feel really, really blessed is that I never suffered from separate, dream separation. And I will say that probably 90% of people who grow up do, some of them never quit. They become survivors and pessimists and cynical. So, but to me, if you can just, during dream separation, if you can understand, that's when we make poor choices that we just ah, sometimes are, you know, everything. Some of them are not irreversible. Some of them are irreversible, I might say. That's when we settle for the lesser relationships, lesser friends, lesser dietary choices, lesser jobs, lesser money. It's during dream separation. Once we reunite with our purpose and truth, that's when the value just automatically arrives again. And you reunite with your value, if you will, and you don't settle, you don't go on sale. You know, I always teach my daughters that, you know, please be the best kept secret. Don't, Don't be the female billboard. Be the best kept secret, and so, um, so that's kind of um, that's kind of my view on. I'm very grateful. I, I think there's always been a bigger hand in my in my work and and what I do, and because certainly I get in the way at times. But when I learn to get out of the way, great things happen. So I appreciate that. You're welcome. I appreciate um, being able to sit here with you every day and have this show unfolding. And I I I love the message that you gave your daughters. It's uh, pretty much what my mother and father taught me, you know, be, be, be a lady and be your modesty and, and, and be beautiful from the inside of you because uh, 
all kinds of things will fade and get damaged. But if you allow your heart to stay healthy and warm and you keep your mind really active, it'll always be lovely. You know, Ron, there's there's so much that it works. And there's so much there's so much that we can do here. And there's and there's um you and I started talking about this when there was, you know, like eighty eighty six days until the elections. And and our drive was we we really wanted to get out here in the middle of America, across America, on this national and international platform, and we we wanted to be able to get people to understand critical thinking skills by by opening up all kinds of topics, and and we wanted to be able to get people to hear intelligent. We wanted people laughing at how stupid we could be, and goofy. We wanted to we wanted to talk about things that we barely uttered the words of when we first came on here because we were tippy toeing and 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 our sensitivities are still high but um, you know it's like what I said it's like what I said on today's episode and I always read these to us um, what matters is your life. There are so many issues to attend to in this life. And unless we have a sincere appreciation for our own personal health and well-being, we cannot possibly make the positive impact we want for anyone else or anything else. Here in 2020, our attentions are being pulled in the direction of health and well-being. Let's focus on what concerns us and what we are thinking in terms of what the solutions are. And, you know, um, when people talk about wellness, I've always recoiled a little bit because it's it's been uh, made fun of. You know, oh yeah, that was Jane Fonda hopping around in her leotard and, and leggings. Yeah, and she's darn healthy, isn't she? And beautiful, and in great shape. But then then it became something frivolous, and and you know, let's throw a little bit of money at wellness, and people didn't really think about the impact of it. The real truth now is, I think that and I'm gonna put this in a really in a in a in a really uh faith filled space for myself and and that is I think that that there's no accidents there's 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 assignments there's there's miracles and blessings if we allow ourselves to be open to the fact that they're right here. There's prayers that we that we pray and maybe we don't even identify them as prayers. We say, I was just thinking or I was just feeling. Everything is a prayer. So be careful what you say in your head and in your heart. So what if what if what we have here is we have this, this corona and we have the human reaction to it from, from God and, and from our creator is a message to us uh, about how important human touch is, how important human contact is, how important it is to go, you know, eye to eye and, um, you know, uh, to really be physically intimate with another. I mean, right now, I think if, if people are, are um, singular, they're, 
they're going to be in that isolated space for a long time. I think that uh, we're look at what's happening right now. Here's the hopeful stuff for everybody. We've been asked to social distance. No, we've been told to social distance. Stay home, social distance, wear a mask. Up under your glasses, down under your to your throat. And all of a sudden now, if you watch television, flip it on, and even on the Internet, you're going to see there's a, a, a thing that goes around the front of your neck, plastic, and it's got a clear plastic shield that comes up to the top of your forehead, and it comes around your face like this. And here's what the commercial says. You can flip it down, and then you flip it up for your safety when you need it. Because don't we need nonverbal behavior? Don't we need to see one another's smiles? And I'm thinking, are they listening to our show? When did they? When did this invention come out? This invention came out as a as a recognition of something that maybe people with sensitivities, the way that you and I have talked about, and the eyes of the village. Maybe other people were crying because they couldn't see faces. Because I've cried about it, I'll tell you. When I, when I see the news and I see these school districts all excited, we've got this owl camera. It spins 360 degrees, and the teacher can be teaching the class with no one in the room. But you've got the desks spaced, so children are there social distancing. And the teacher is teaching on camera, and she's wearing a mask. What what insanity is that? These children are at home wondering who who is behind there? Who is the teacher? Why are they wearing that mask? This is this this brought me to tears. I mean I was I was furious and I was heart wrenched. So maybe all of this is a movement towards intolerance of what is insanity an overreaction and a, and a real now, real live recognition of our well-being involves all the nonverbals and all the, all the, the touching and the hugging and embracing and being near each other. And, and, and maybe it also involves, in terms of wellness and well-being and health, our immune system. It feels like a masquerade party designed to divide and conquer. That's what it feels like. It does. And you also handicap a, uh, an economy. And it, it just seems like it's, uh, it, it seems way too thought through. Um, that's, my, that's my take on it. And I've been hearing lately crime of the century, organized crime. I've, I've, I've heard some real experts refer to it that way. And, um, I, and again, I don't want anybody to think that I'm discrediting the virus.
was absolutely not. I mean, even if it was horrific, you know, there's got to be some people out there who are brave enough to go out there and, 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 and keep things going in life, you know, that it's not horrific. So, I don't know, I'm just, I'm a little bit, I'm just praying and hoping and sourcing and talking about the, the, the change that we need, because I think this presidential election is a very critical one, and if, if one party wins, then life as we've known it will never be the same. If the other party wins, I think they'll have four years to fix this and prevent this. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And in the, in the last about five minutes that we have for our audience, um, what, what do we want to leave them with? We want them to go to our page on Facebook, which is the Ron Williams and Dr. Deb Carlin Facebook page. And we want them to post their 20 concerns and solutions, or at least start a list and build a list and add to it. Well, I'm going to say my closing thought is to tell you that clearly you're shaking things up in your life to where you're sorting right now. You're sorting things. And because of your magnificence, you're also going to experience equal clarity of adversity. So my thoughts are with you today that you acknowledge your greatness, but don't expect anything other than great adversity to match your greatness, and that you just tilt even a fraction of a fraction towards the greatness here so that you understand that, you know, you're sourcing, you're sorting, and you're just one step closer to what Dr. Deb Carter is all about. Because during these times, I've had the same feelings, by the way, about a few months ago. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, you know, the whole idea is embrace it and just listen and be available like you are and like you do and just know that we all love you, okay? Oh, wow. No wonder I love you. <laughs> all right, I'm tilting like this. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Tilt towards this side. Polarity is always equal. Let's, let's wrap this up and you stay in attendance while I say goodbye to our, our guests and all our friends out here in the world. We love you all for being here with us and uh, hope you keep coming back. We'll have more tomorrow. So we're going to um, uh, stop that and you're going to end the episode. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.